Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of the Major Jobs Podcast. Today I got to interview a water plant operator who works with waters coming from the direct sources like rivers and they put it um they put chemicals into the water, um, different kind of chemicals to make the water clean. Now, I had no idea what this job entailed. I didn't know what um, people had to do. So it was really interesting listening to what um, he had to say. And it was really interesting learning about how our water gets clean. When we see it in the faucet, we don't really know what happens to the water. So it was really interesting to get an inside look into what actually happens to the water. I hope you enjoyed the interview. All right, I'm excited. I want to learn more about a water plant operator. Yeah, no problem. It's a... it's a very different end of the spectrum. Everybody thinks that your faucet uh, turns on and your water comes up, but they don't understand how it gets to your house, how, what we do to treat it, and all they knew is, is the call when it, don't, when it doesn't work. Uh-huh. So I'm just going to start this off. I'm going to introduce myself. Uh, my name is Thielen, and I'm a high schooler, and I'm just starting this podcast to learn more about different jobs. And I thought yours is really unique. So what's your job? And what do you do? Um, I am a water treatment uh, operator. I'm licensed uh, for my state to uh, treat water, send it out. Um, I take water from the river. Uh, it comes into our raw water intake. We apply chemicals there. It comes to the building. Um, I make sure everything works smoothly. My job is mostly operated now. It's all automated and operated by uh, computer uh, systems, but I must be here 24-7 to make sure everything works. I must know how to do everything by hand because if those pumps go down, I have to do everything manually. Uh-huh. So did you know that you wanted to do this from an early age? Uh, no, I actually wanted to go into law enforcement. Um, I spent majority of my working early working life in security, armed security, um, then uh, just physical issues with my, my knees being bad from soccer in high school, ROTC and all that. Um, it really hindered the law enforcement aspect. And then uh, I saw a posting um, to the city, and I somewhat fa- kind of family-known friends with the chief operator now and that's how I got the job here with no experience wow okay so how did you know like what to do when you first started um when I first started it's a lot of just sit and watch um when I first started we were in the process of changing over an old system to a new system um and but I was working seven days a week just watching everybody uh, going through the, going through all the motions of the testing and the, and getting a, and getting a schedule, and then I was sent through classes, uh, state classes, because I had three years to get my water license. If not, then I would be changed apartments or terminated, which really never happens. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you didn't go to school to learn about how to be a water, um, a water plant operator. Uh, College-wise, no, you could take college classes in chemistry and and kind of biology, and that would count towards 
your time worked. But since I didn't have any post-secondary uh, education, I had the diploma, then I had to have two years of job experience on top of the required state classes I had to take. Um, because the state classes take off one year of operating experience, so I had three years total with or without the state classes to get my license. And uh, it was essentially a master's degree in a, in a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Okay, that makes sense. So what do you do on a daily basis when you go to a water plant? Um, I, can, I work Thursday, Fridays from 8 to 4. Uh-huh. Um, and there's, and there's four of us here. We have the chief operator and then uh, our back logical guy and we have uh, me and the, the operator here and our maintenance person um, we come in we're usually shut down get all, all the tanks back up and we start up around 10 11 o'clock um, just depends on the usage and how low the tanks are we have a certain level we wait to fill them back up and start up the plants once we start up uh, Charlie the pumps on all the chemicals on we check the raw turbidity, which is how cloudy and muddy the water is coming in the plant. And that's what we base off of how we need to set our chemicals for. And usually, um, of course, zero is the absolute perfect turbidity and then go up to 2,000. Um, right now, it's about a five, which is average, which is what you're supposed to, For our water source, that's what... It is in the winters. It's between five and six, and that's perfect. Um, during the summer, it's like a 12, which is still good. Um, and then every two hours, we check the chlorine on the water going out, the water on our filters. We just do a lot of checks and uh, every day except holidays and the weekends. We get a sample from the distribution so somewhere in town a different spot per week every day and we run fluoride magnesium iron checks just to keep track that we're still on the right track and thankfully in (laughs) 10 years we haven't had any issues with this knock on wood there Mm -hmm. um and then and then after that uh four o'clock hits we kind of ride the, the schedule every two hours, check that. And then every hour we check the charts and the tank levels. Uh-huh. Um, but usually my job is just sitting here, <laughs> do, uh-huh. kind of doing nothing. Uh, but when it's muddy outside or – because we're right on – there's farms all along this river here. So uh-huh. always, always putting fer- uh, fertilizer. The new uh-huh. thing now is they're putting chicken manure down instead of cow manure. Uh-huh. And that is – almost free people are just giving that away it's, it's it stinks to high heaven and it and it, it does more to the water than cow manure does so when it rains and runs off into the river it messes everything up uh last week we we were, we were running tests every 20 minutes to get the water back to how it was just because it came through and it's just different than cow manure and it's totally messed us up so basically to summarize um you guys take the water from the river that's dirty you put chemicals you do tests on the water to make sure that it's safe enough for people to clean uh clean themselves with or drink yes yeah okay so 
obviously you need to know like a lot about chemistry. So were you like, were you good at chemistry before? Um, science and history was my strong subjects. Um, math is a huge part as well. I was good at math in high school, but I did not like it. Um, but it is very math oriented, uh, classes. Uh, we had four different math classes on just formulas and, and conversions, and we used both the metric system here uh, as well. So you're we always converting back and forth between uh, grams to pounds to ounces. Um, you have to know how to, on the fly, convert from gallons to pounds and pounds to gallons. Mm. Um, and it's, it's a lot... Thankfully, right now, we have a guy in our... Uh, just just labs. He's more of a chemistry background, um, so most of it's done by him. But mm-hmm. we do uh, we have, of course, pieces of papers with all the procedures on how to do things set by. Uh, can we use Hawk for our? Uh, uh, it's H. It's H A C H. They're a uh, chemi- They're a chemical testing, uh, wow. just like. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they set procedures that are approved by the EPA and the AWA saying that this is an approved method to get this result. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and you, and you got to know a lot of the chemistry to not, of course, mix the wrong things. Um, mm-hmm. But once you do it three or four times, it's so simple enough because we just use a small beaker of 10 milliliters, 10 milliliters of water, pour this in here, shake it, let it sit two minutes, and read it. Um, but you must know what's actually going on in the water as well, besides just letting it sit there for two minutes. Mm, okay. So, um, I wanted to ask about, um, Flint, Michigan, cause, um, you obviously, you probably know like a lot about what's going on there. So like, can you give me like, what do you, from like a water plant operator's perspective, what does it look? What does it look like is happening in Flint, Michigan? Um, with them changing that water source, and usually when you start up a water plant, you go and you say, "I want to put a water plant in this area." Before you even do that, before you even start building, or you test that water source, the closest water source, you test it religiously because you don't want to go in there. And a month down the road, you get probably come through that should be coming through. or So you go wait a few months, just test every couple of days, and then wait a few months, and then test that. So then changing water sources and not be prepared to handle the different pH and, and uh, acidity of the water, uh-huh. that was a big, uh, a, a big mess-up on their part for yeah. not checking that first um now it can go both ways as well because once the water leaves my plant because i can only do so much on my end to control the ph because once it leaves my plant and i make sure the water is up to the standards we set here once it leaves the plant it is no longer my responsibility as a water operator Mm -hmm. of the water then it becomes a distribution Mm -hmm. side problem because once that water leaves our gate out the door to the high service into the into the city, then 
I'm no longer responsible. As, as long as that water is meeting the standards as it's leaving, I'm not responsible for that water anymore. It's a distribution and piping side if there's any issues with it. Okay, that makes sense. So, where I live, I live in San Francisco, and I know that the water system is the Hetch Hetchy water system. So, I think they take the water from Yosemite, and they bring it up to San Francisco. Um, do you know, like, uh, I kind of want to know, like, how the inner workings of that works. Do you think, do you know a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, so whenever they bring water a long distance, um, it's kind of good because, let's say the water's a little muddy, or the, the longer the distance traveled from the source to the intake, wherever it's located at, the better that water's going to be because it has more time to settle out and the longer the travel, it can actually mix around. Because uh, right now, we are uh, tap, we're laying pipes for a different water source. Because a few years ago, uh, farmers dumped something in the water. We don't know what it was. This is before my time working. Mm -hmm. But the water was, was 100% untreatable. Mm -hmm. We could not treat the water. We had to shut down for a day and a half until it passed. Mm -hmm. There was just nothing we could do. It just kept messing with... We were on max chemicals. Mm -hmm. Just something was messing up with the way our chemicals reacted. And so since then, we were looking at a, a neighboring uh, water utility. And they're just now laying the pipes down. And we're going to purchase 2.5 million gallons a day from them. And then, we, and then we can draw from that, which will help us out... If, if that happens again, when the water is untreated, we can just shut down our, our pumps down and then pump straight from them. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Uh, but that's and, and they're about an hour away, so they're a pretty good distance. Okay. But they're a different state, so that this is that that's the problem oh, with uh -huh. that because because with the coming from Yosemite to, to, to San Fran, that's probably gonna be raw water and raw water. Uh, is not. It, it doesn't matter if it's crossing state lines, because we're buying treated water from a different state. Oh, I see. Uh -huh. So their state standards might be a little different than ours, uh -huh. and and they're building a tank right by the state line to hold it, and then that tank pumps to our to our main holding tank. So we're, we're mixing two different water two, two different water tanks together, which could cause some problems due to. Their, their, their chemical readings to our chemical readings. We we'll have, we'll have to adjust our chemicals lower to match theirs. So, uh, but the raw from Yosemite to San Fran, um, it's gonna be a lot of piping. It's gonna, uh, I'm sure it was very expensive because whenever you lay a pipe down, you have to shoot a bunch of chlorine water for a couple of days through it to disinfect the pipes as well. So, wow. That's really interesting. I know I never thought about that. Do you like your job? Uh yeah, it's about ten minutes from my house now. Um, no more uh, highway driving for me, but uh, it's ten minutes away from my house. We are in the middle of nowhere, so I do have to kind of bring things, <laughs> entertain myself <laughs> at work when I'm here alone. Uh -huh. Um, 
very sketchy cell phone signal down here. Uh, the, the the benefits are great. There is a high need for blue collar jobs right now. Um, all throughout high school, everybody tells you college, college, college is the way to go. Um, college is great. I would recommend a two-year degree uh, community college for a vocational job. Um, but as when I was in high school, my ROTC instructor said, not everybody can be a CEO. Somebody has to be the garbage man. Somebody has to be the delivery driver. Somebody has to be a painter. You, not everybody can own their own business. Mm-hmm. As much as it sounds good and all, but somebody has to do dirty work. And going in my area, um, 15 bucks an hour is, is well off in my state, in, in Tennessee here. So uh, That's minimum wage in San Francisco. Exactly. And I used to drive Uber and Lyft uh, kind of in between jobs, and we'll get visitors from New York and stuff, and then they'll be, get paid 34 an hour. I'm like, wow. But they're like, no, that's about 16 bucks an hour here. If you can't, or cost of living, but here minimum wage is still seven twenty five. Um, our job maxes out at fifty thousand a year for, and then it gets a cheap operator, and they get about eighty thousand to ninety thousand, mm-hmm. and that's well off. That that's enough to <laughs> retire a couple of years here in Tennessee. Wow. Uh, but of course, I'm kind of in between there. Uh-huh. Uh, because once you get your license and then you get a raise every year, um, you get big pay raises from there. But it's it's, it's enough it's enough for, for me to me just to work. Yeah, and sounds support, good. Support my family. Yeah. So what do you think the future looks like? Do you think you're gonna stay as a water plant operator? Uh yeah, everybody's gonna need water or they drink it bottle or at the tap. Uh, uh-huh. You still shower with it, still bathe with it. Um, it's a very, uh, concrete job because it's, it's, it's going to be needed for years to come. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, I would, I, there's not a lot of room, uh, for promotion because once you get your license uh-huh. and become a, a senior operator, mm-hmm. then it's just a waiting game of people retiring and leaving for you to become a chief operator. Mm-hmm. Um, but for them, but I worked a whole lot harder for a whole lot less. <laughs> uh, so right now, I'm gonna keep staying this as long as possible. Um, uh-huh. Great benefits, free retirement, and all that. So it's, but it's very, it's a very needed job right now. Um, during classes, there's a little job board for our state, and almost every city is hiring for the, the average age for a water operator in my state is 40 to 50. So in the next 10 years, people are retiring, and then we're going to need younger bodies, and everyone wants to be an entrepreneur now. Yeah. And nobody is there, – there, there's so much work done behind city curtains that nobody knows between the electric department, gas department, and the water department that people don't realize it until something breaks, and then they call us, but they don't realize how much work we're doing to prevent mm-hmm. the set breaking. Mm-hmm. Wow. All right. Um, I learned a lot in this interview. Uh, thanks a lot for doing it. I learned a lot about how like water is treated and like how people treat water. Uh, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. All right, no problem. Yeah, if you have any more questions about the actual process of the water, but that's 
kind of get into the technical stuff. Um, but other than that, people just need to start going onto their city websites and start doing production rec jobs and, and water jobs and start doing more blue collar stuff. Thank you, man. All right, no problem. And that was where the interview ended. I had a great time talking to him. He was really knowledgeable in his job, and I thought it was really interesting how his job worked, what happens to the water when we have it right in front of us. We kind of take it for granted, and it was really interesting learning about what um, different things people do to the water to get it to where it is today. Um, thank you for listening to the podcast. That's going to be it. Um, I really appreciate it. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. I'd appreciate it. And uh, follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Twitter is Major Jobs Pod, and Instagram is Major Jobs Podcast. Uh, that's going to be it for this episode. I'm going to see you in the next one. Bye-bye.